Welcome to the Coffee with COVID-19 podcast. My name is Patrick Rolf, and this is an ongoing media project where we use conversations with some of the leading entrepreneurs and thinkers within the coffee industry to try to understand a sustainable way through living together with our new reality, COVID-19. So welcome everyone. This is the first episode of what we call Coffee with COVID-19, which is our attempt to get an understanding for what's actually going on out there in the coffee world at this point. We all know that we've been through some quite challenging months here in the industry. And this whole series is about trying to figure out where do we go next? How have people been reacting? What can we learn from each other um, in this process, right? And we have chose to call it Coffee with COVID-19 because it's about how are we adapting right now rather than trying to discuss what's going to happen in, in years to come. Now, we're super excited to have our, for our first episode, to have Sasa with us um, all the way from Australia. Uh, I believe it's afternoon, evening in Australia now. Four o'clock, yeah, yeah. <laughs> morning here in Copenhagen. So the format of this podcast series is built around five simple questions that we're going to ask all of the people that are a part of it. Uh, apart from that, we're also going to have individual reflections uh, and more insights coming in, right? But what we're going to do is we're going to jump kind of straight into um, one of the questions. And this is going to be a really interesting conversation because you have a green, port, green bean import company, you have a bunch of coffee shops, you have a roastery, right? So you must have been affected on all levels, uh, which I'm going to be really excited to hear about. But first question here is, what was your initial reaction to COVID-19? Like, where were you? What happened? Uh, what did you do? What did you not do? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you, Patrick, for having me. Uh, thanks for everyone listening. So... The, I, I mentally, physically was not ready for it. Um, obviously, I've heard what's been happening in China initially uh, back in January. And, and normally, you know, when, when someone else has a struggle, you kind of feel sorry for, you know, what's happening for the other people, but not necessarily you think, hey, this can happen to me. Uh, and that's how I felt uh, up until my accountant decided to call me and have a lunch with me, which normally that doesn't happen. We get together once a year for Christmas, we have some wine, we have lunch and we, and we sort of move on. The rest is uh, strictly business numbers, etc. cetera. Uh, and I was a bit surprised that he wanted to have lunch with me in the middle of March. So why is this happening? Um, and he told me, hey, Sash, there'll be some changes. You know, this COVID-19, it's actually here to stay. Um, he's done obviously a lot of studying and preparing his friends and his clients that you know things will significantly change. And he told me, "Hey, they will, you will be reducing uh, your turnover by eighty um, percent." We have about one hundred and fifty employees, so it's it's a big responsibility to you know be here that you you're gonna your turn, turnover is gonna go down by eighty percent. Um, I I laughed. I said, no way, this is not gonna happen. Like, you, like we're doing well, you know, we, we, you know, we're improving, we're 20, 30% up month by month, you know, we, we have a great organization, great team, great everything, because that's not really about you, this is what's gonna happen. So just be prepared. Uh, 
he kept telling me that I kept ignoring him. Uh, after three or four times, of, because he was really persistent, he goes like, be serious. Think from now on what's, gonna be, what's important for you. Uh, there will be significant changes and you will need to make you know, changes you've never made in your life before uh, and decisions and you need to do it fast. And you need to do it accurately because if you don't do good ones, um, you might not even be there in a few months or you will come back with completely different company or maybe outcome that maybe what you wanted to. So that conversation hit me really hard afterwards, after he was so persistent with it. And um, it made me think before it came to us, uh, what, what do we do and what we should do? And um, in two weeks, he was right. Two weeks later, we did go down by 85% in the entire company. And um, so I sort of felt that I was on a, I had a front foot because I was prepared for it. And I was just waiting for it to happen rather than when something bad happens then you get your shock, you're a little bit nervous, you're a little bit stressed. And then normally we don't wanna think too much or make decisions when we're stressed. So I've gone through that period before it even hit us. Uh, for me, it was very clear what we need to do. And uh, you know, big responsibility is to employ 150 people in Australia. Uh, we do have a number of farms, as you mentioned, that we own and also work with you know, 100 plus coffee producers. So in, within our network and with a lot of our customers, that you know, there's about 180 customers that we supply coffee with. So it's a network of you know, thousands of people that, you know, <laughs> and I guess it comes down to simple decision, what you do on a daily basis, how you're gonna maneuver that network in a, in a positive way. Um, you know, for me and for us, you know, talking to managers of departments in Project Origin in on a retail, on a wholesale, uh, we made a decision that we, you know, we, we strive together. That's that's the motto of the COVID for us. So we we thrive together. Sorry, uh, which means that uh, we'll go through this as a team, um, and uh, we make sure that what we have on the table we share together. So that that was uh, that was that initial plan of thought. The priority is to keep the team. You know, it takes years and years and years to build the team, to build the culture. Um, and it kind of takes only one day to break it all or to, you know, and I was very aware of that, that whatever we do, we need to make sure that we have a clear transparency with everyone. Uh, most important, be honest with the people and we provide as best possible security we can. Uh, in these times, no one feels secure. That's very understandable. But if we show care and, uh, and we can actually at least tell them that what the next steps are, our people can feel a little bit more secured. Uh, so a lot of number of conversations, as you, as you said, it's really hard to manage. What are we gonna do on a farm level? What are we gonna do in a coffee shop level? What are we gonna do in a roastery? Uh, but I think having uh, at that during these periods, I was talking possibly only with the three people uh, which is head of wholesale, head of retail, and head of uh, project origin, and together really, you know, putting everything on the surface and possibly talking about potential issues that will happen, that can happen, short and long term, uh, and then trying up to come up with some conclusions that can, they can be okay short term, but more importantly, long term, we, you know, we have something strong to hold on. 
Um, so um, yeah, that's kind of very short answer <laughs> for your <laughs> for your question. I'm sorry for taking a little bit too long. No, no, I think, I think it's perfect, and I think it's. I mean, first of all, it goes to show how how complex it actually is, right? Like, you know, when COVID-19 hit um, hit me in Copenhagen, you know, I only have a roastery, right? So I can't even imagine how difficult it is to have to navigate um, three different businesses, basically, within the same structure, right? And also, as you say, you have a fair amount of employees, right? Uh, and the, the, I think it goes without saying that to some degree, the larger companies or the medium-sized companies, if I can say that that's what you guys are, is has been maybe struggling more than the very small companies, right? Uh, just because you have more employees, you have more customers, um, you have your farms and so on as well, right? It's, uh, I mean, on a side note, I have to say, it's amazing that it's your accountant that actually takes on the responsibility to communicate this to you, right? Because I think part of the challenge for a lot of companies have been that they basically, they learned this through media to some degree, right? So they weren't reacting before. They were reacting when it happened, right? And I think if that's your starting point, it becomes really complicated. Um, would you be Would you be interested in in giving us a few more concrete examples of like how have you actually been navigating? And as in like, for example, coffee shops. I know you guys were set to open in Melbourne, which you now have done. Yeah. Um, there was some um, um, other shops maybe coming as well, perhaps. Uh, but where, like, where have you the different parts of, of your company? How have you guys reacted? Like, have you ordered less coffee uh, from your farmers? Um, yeah. Have you, you know, in any other way, kind of navigated or try to support your wholesale customers, right? Or do you have any concrete tips or, or ideas that you've been through? So may I mean we, we can talk in a length about the farms or roasting or retail. Is there a particular one that you would like to select that we, we should I think if we if we can try to touch a, a little bit on all of them and then from there you kind of select the one that you think uh, is, is the most relevant for you at the moment. Well more, most importantly on a farm level, uh, we had a team contacting uh, re-looking at the contracts. Uh, to make sure when what contract is supposed to come to Australia or different countries that we work with. And seeing, uh, and in the same time, straight away talking to our customers. And we, we already came up with a strategy that this year for Project Origin, it's not really about making any profits. That was very clear from day one. Our intention is to um, make sure we keep, we keep our staff. And of course, they, they have a job. And most importantly, our farmers can feel as little pain as possible. Uh, as we know, uh, on a farm level, it's most fragile part of our industry and has always been. Uh, so that's something that we wanted to look with most care. And thirdly, we understand that roasters' demand will be a little bit lot lower and buying power will be lower. So uh, looking at the strategies, how we can offer credits for our roasters as as well as reducing prices uh, a lot. So, so roasters can, you know, try to get as little benefit, uh, as little impact as possible that are connected with us. So the worst case scenario, what we wanted to do is we didn't want to cancel any of the containers, uh, but we did have very honest conversation with a lot of our producers. Uh, and we understand because we are coffee producers as well, roughly what's the production cost? Uh, how much does it cost them to produce that coffee? 
And, uh, and then we did sit down and not necessarily negotiate with the producers and tell them, hey, we're going to pay you this much less. But we had very open conversations saying, how much do you need to sell this coffee for? At the, you know, what, what's the minimum margin that you need to make to be okay? So next year, when you produce coffee again, you can go forward. You're not like two steps backwards. So you don't necessarily have more credits or loans. Um, and I mean, we're not surprised that we, our producers were very honest and transparent with us because it's number one, we are friends. And uh, within several days, some of the producers, they have exceptional coffees and they, they possibly you know, have a little bit higher margins. They were very happy to say, hey, we can sell this coffee for this much, but let's make sure that these coffees are sold within the next three or six months. Uh, so there is no excess coming to 2021 because that's when... If you don't manage 2020 properly, we will have, you know, we don't want to be putting, a, um, I don't know, rubbish under the carpet. We need to make sure that we, we deal with this in the best way. So when 2021 comes, uh, we can hopefully have a clean start. So the couple of on just on a side note here, so because one of the challenges I see from um, then dealing with with a farm perspective, because you guys have farms. Uh, or, or at least farm products spread out all over the world, right? And was there different reactions in different countries? As in, it seems to be throughout this whole COVID-19, countries have been reacting at very different paces and in, in, in very different um, ways as well, right? Was there any any country or any situation where they just didn't understand it or didn't see this as a, much of a threat as, as you guys did? Uh, yeah, some countries at the beginning um, where saying, are we going to be fine? There's no, you know, there's no impact here. We will be okay. But I mean, after deeper conversations that we had with them, just like my accountant has prepared me, me for, for me to be ready. We also, I felt responsible that our entire network now I need to prepare. Um, and of course I cannot talk to every producer myself, but our project origin team managed to talk to every producer and a lot of that and, uh, and discussing a lot of different options and ideally discussing the worst case scenarios. Um, so we were preparing each one of us in our network for the worst. And um, so that's, and it was not really hard for us to have these open conversations with them. And uh, not necessarily we had different reactions. We were pleasantly surprised um, that, you know, because normally you, we go to these farms and we are, we are considered that we provide better solutions to our farmers, whether we give them a better pricing or network, or maybe advice how to process coffee so they can get, get greater value. So a lot of them that feel when we go to these farms, we, we help and support. And we felt touched because they understood our positioning. And we felt touched that they were sort of overnight ready to support us to say, you know what, you don't need to pay for your container now. You can pay it within two months if you have a, you know, issues with the cash flow. Um, and some producers that you know, are very well experienced, like Don Fabio from Honduras, they say, oh, you know what, you, you can pay in six months or 12 months, it's, it's fine. Like as long as our coffees come to this end roaster and this end roaster, you know, they have a chance to you know, get some benefit out of it. We will all go through this together. Um, with smaller farmers that we felt, uh, because we understand their finances and we understand what they produce and maybe their expenses as well, mostly. So some farmers, we definitely did not even want to start the conversation because we know that they are possibly on the edge uh, and their day-to-day, -day, the way they manage the farm. 
so we have separated kind of in our heads what we feel, who can take the loss, who cannot take the loss, and, uh, and what sort of loss they can potentially take. And then we had these open conversations. Um, I think within a two weeks, to be honest, it was managed from Project Origin team uh, very well what we do on a farm level and also what we do uh, with the roasters. Now things are different um, we, because we possibly have prepared us for the wars because the very first month in a Project Origin, we were just under 90% down. Uh, but for example, possibly because the way we behaved with everything, uh, this month we have a record month since we've, you know, ever, you know, since Project Origin started. Oh, wow. uh, and, and, and I believe it's big credit maybe to the behavior we had in the last quite few months. Um, it's the, that initiative that we made, we drive together, we're here, you know, to, to support. Uh, and, and some of the customers that were, you know, buying coffees from us in the smaller volumes, now they feel more connected with how we've dealt with the situation that actually they want to support us even more. Um, so it's, it's actually been nice to see that, you know, at least we feel that Project Origin does not have a crisis at the moment. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's doing better now than before. And we now actually calling our producers and saying, ah, can you send us these coffees more? Or we already started working with the two new origins that we didn't have before. Um, and, you know, doing quite a few projects that, you know, we would uh, possibly not do as fast because we, you know, we're a little bit busy traveling, but now we don't need to travel as much. So we have more time for more initiatives. Uh, but in a... In a wholesale, it's been a different story. Uh, in a wholesale, as we all know, like co coffee shops are the ones that are hit first, and at least in Australia. So being able to, you know, some of the coffee shops had to close. Uh, quite a few other coffee shops throughout the entire country, we could trade only takeaway, which in a way, like it gives, it gave majority of the coffee shops within our network at least 60 to 70% reduction of trade. And that obviously affected us as well. Um, but we've, we've sort of learned in the wholesale that um, because Australian dollar has dropped dramatically during these times. So there was another problem for us, you know, how are we going to import the coffees and what are we going to do? And, and, uh, but we sort of saw the opportunity that Australian dollar has dropped a lot by pivoting to look at exporting roasted coffees. Uh, and it was a unique opportunity that people can buy coffees roasted in Australia, very cheap and, uh, and high quality coffees as well. So, um, so about back in April, we were talking to a marketing team and we made a pretty good, interesting campaign that uh, let's target, you know, fans, coffee fans or coffee lovers, coffee enthusiasts outside of Australia. We have reduced or we negotiated um, the, um, the, sorry, the freights uh, or as cheap as possible. And we've also decided to take the heat on the freight. So if, for example, we're sending uh, five kilograms of coffee to China and it, the cost is, let's say, $100, it's not that much, but I'm just coming up with a random number. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we were doing a freight for these coffees possibly for $50 or $60. Uh, because the, what we were calculating is that we, we can pay the wages, we can pay a rent, we can pay our staff, not necessarily company needs to make any profits. So, uh, you know, CFO was very busy trying to crunch these numbers. Um, so we can increase the turnover in overseas for this period of time um, and uh, keep as many staff as possible, you know, to be as busy as, as they possibly can be. 
and that that you know I, that business has increased by God ten times than what we used to do before. Uh, so even though we've lost like eighty percent in the first month, uh, this business kept us going. And then as cafe started opening more and more and more, uh, online sales started increasing um, dramatically. And also our training department was because there were a lot of trainings we would do with uh, Hugh Kelly and the, and the team. Uh, they one-on-one or like five, six people per, with, uh, with one of our trainers. Uh, we you know, closed the roastery, so we did not really have anyone coming in. So they, they straight away started uh, working on a contact to do more online training and um, more like master sessions and, uh, you know, internet, uh, Zoom sessions as well. And that kind of gave us the idea that this is the future for, for us. Like there's so many trainings that we used to do one-on-one that we don't necessarily need to do. Um, and they've made so many different training sessions. For example, when we're setting up a new account, this is how you clean the grinder. This is how you, you know, do this or you do that. So before we even do, do basic training with someone, we, we actually see them physically. We give them a contact that they need to see and they need to go through. Um, I think the most creative we were definitely in the retail. Uh, we turned our busy brunch cafes where we're serving like four or 500 meals a day, 1,000 coffees a day uh, to, you know, to pretty much grocery stores. Yeah. Uh, we started, uh, and that, that idea came from a milk supplier because a milk supplier, Riverina Milk, they they're based on supplying milk only for coffee shops. Uh, so they don't really sell their milk to um, restaurant or to you know grocery stores. They they're not. So they their business has gone like 95% overnight because you know cafes are almost not existent. Yeah. Uh, and the supplier called me and he said, Sash, do you mind selling milk in your shops? Like, like just milk. And my reaction was, wow, well, this, this can be a good idea. Like as long as we can get fridges in our cafes and then we can start selling milk. But then, you know, for a lot of the food that we sell, I mentioned like all of our fruit and veggie suppliers, they were out of the job as well. Um, you know, egg suppliers and, you know, bacon and small goods because we, we try to use our products, small, organic, uh, to support, you know, local producers, and they don't necessarily connect themselves with the big giant uh, grocery stores, so their business was out as well. So you know, in a way, we we started collaborating with all of them and and selling the produce, you know, selling the toilet paper in our shops, <laughs> which was ridiculous. Uh, and that has created, a, you know, that you know kept us alive. That we managed to keep you know, all of our staff. Um, you know, doing deliveries because shops were crazy back then. Like even at grocery stores, people would fight um, over the toilet paper. I don't know what's wrong with Australians and toilet paper. It's been weird. But... I'm pretty sure that was all. Over. I mean, that, that's been an experience all over the world, I think. And it's it's interesting to hear that you're you're talking about the grocery store because that's something we see in, here in Europe as well. And I, I see it also here in Copenhagen, right? But just to kind of sum up some points here that I think is really interesting before we move on and it's like first of all back to to product origin and and the kind of story you have there which to be fair is kind of amazing right and it's fantastic to hear that you guys are actually uh making more now than ever before to some degree right and i think it goes to show that um, a pandemic at least historically has a tendency to 
amplify or speed up processes that is already happening, right? So for example, if, if what you do before this pandemic is really good and for example, treating your producer properly and, and, and maintaining those relationships, that is only gonna grow stronger and kind of amplify, right? And I think this is a good example of it, right? Like you're obviously able to go through um, the period with product written like this because what you've done in the past has been the right thing to do, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, sorry for interrupting, but the big big summary for us is, or conclusion with all of this is, we, in this time, we should go back to our values, most importantly, and uh, and look at our values. Why do we do what we do? What's our mission statement? What we're trying to achieve? Um, And and that's that's going to be the answer what the next steps, the next moves are. Um, and we really looked at our values and every time when we needed to make bigger decision, you know, if, you know, value, you know, mission statement for Anna Coffee is to enrich people's lives, innovate um, for sustainable community. So, you know, there was nothing else we possibly could do than to innovate, work with the community so we can maintain our staff. Um, that that's you know that was very clear answer what needs to happen, but I think COVID has helped us to actually stop doing what does not relate to these values as well, because we all we live in a busy world, very high high pace, and we do things sometimes just because, not necessarily because it means to us. We just adapt certain things and we just move on with it, and COVID has definitely helped me to sort of hit that pause button and uh, possibly stop doing what I was doing for no reason and concentrate on what's important for us and uh, concentrate on what's your, what's your value, what's your vision. Would it be, would it be fair to say that, and I mean, let's, before I go on and say this, um, this, uh, this question or phrases, I mean, and of course, COVID-19 is, is, is a very negative thing, devastating thing. No one, wants a reality with this right but i'm going to still move ahead and ask you is it fair to say that your companies are becoming better because of it that you're going to basically move through this and come out in a version of yourself that is actually better than than before um yes as a company absolutely i mean 100 percent in all of the fields team is closer um I had to make some tough calls. Like when um, I always say, when you are all the way on the top or all the way at the bottom, you see true values of people and you see whether these people are aligned. And um, and it's easy when you do well to celebrate and everything is great. But when things get tough, that's when you see who is the true leader. Um, yeah. Um, I always say leaders, you know, we, we eat last. And, um, and I would expect leaders of, you know, of different uh, businesses that we have to have the similar attitude as they did. Uh, but we also had a case that some leaders decided to, you know, look after themselves more than, uh, more than the others in the company. And, uh, and I had to make some tough calls that, you know, it's maybe time for these people to leave on a bus and do what they want to do. Um, and, uh, so it's not all, you know, roses and it's not all beautiful. We have that's managed. Uh, but um, I, th- I think it's very familiar environment for me because I do come from the country with the war and, and a lot of financial 
crisis, economical crisis, and even bigger than what we have now. And understanding that, you know, we, we just go back to, you know, what's important and your family is important. Um, and, uh, and family in this moment is here to look after each other. And, um, and you clearly see who is actually part of the family or, or who is saying that it's part of the family. Uh, and as an early step, that needs to be, you know, if, if someone is behaving selfishly in, in this environment, um, it's, it's time to, to remove that because that can only keep spreading the negative impact in these very negative times. Uh, and, you know, I didn't mention that before, but there was that sort of was dealt with within the first two or three weeks uh, because you can clearly see difference of thinking of different people. Uh, but now that's removed, I think people that, you know, have seen that we made these changes, they actually appreciate the company even more. Uh, the why we were, you know, what we are here to do. Um, I believe that, and I, I've said it a few times to the team that um, as a, as our on a bus, we are a lot closer to our destination now with the COVID than before. And, and destination is not, you know, making certain amount of dollars. If, if that's destination, then we are very far. <laughs> uh, but destination is that we, yeah, we, we want to do what our mission statement is. And we felt like the, with this period, team is a lot more aligned. And, uh, and the, the values that we, we're trying to go, which is, you know, integrity, you know, excellence, um, innovation, it's, it's just being used and uh, so much more than in, in these four months than what he has been for in the last four or five years. And uh, definitely brought us a lot closer. And uh, um, it's, yeah, from, from that perspective, yeah, it's been, it's been great to have it. But you, you also look at what's happening outside of the world and you, you cannot ignore that. Like we, you know, I've lost very good friends, you know, I'm Gilberto Barriona from El Salvador and that, that hits you. So you, you can't really look at the COVID as being positive. It, it cannot be positive. Um, maybe we'll learn some lessons a lot faster, as you mentioned, now than what we would in normal environment. And if you have something good going on, like it just, things happen a lot faster. Uh, and maybe some of the things that we were doing for a long time for no reason, we just stopped doing it now because we, we managed to hit a pause button, look back and, and wonder, why am I doing this? Um, so so we, we made, I guess, a lot clearer direction. Um, uh, where we're heading, as opposed to being in a bumpy road and we're going towards the direction, but we're kind of going left and right. <laughs> and sometimes we lose ourselves and we think we're going to destination, but we're not. Um, with this experience, we definitely see a very clear path where we're heading and what we want to do, yeah. um, which, which is a big good thing. I think on a, on a side note, because you, you mentioned innovation, and I just want to quickly touch on before we go on the last question, um, competitions uh, own and product origin. Like that's been, a, you know, it's part of what you guys are famous for. Uh, you have brought a lot of innovation, both on the green coffee side and the brewing side and the presentation side. And we're obviously facing a reality now where competitions is not going to happen this year in the in the way that it was intended. Uh, moving into next year, it's still there, there's some um, some new updates, but it's still a bit unsure how it's going to happen around the world, at least for different comp competitions. I think the U.S. already canceled last year or next year. 
uh, if I understand correctly. Where, where are you in all of this and, and how will this affect you guys moving forward? Yeah, so the Australian barista competition is also cancelled for this year. Um, and um, for us, it's okay to know that it's cancelled. And I'm actually you know, happy that it's cancelled. We don't want to be running competitions in these times. Uh, and um, have a potential to you know, spread what we don't want to spread. So we, we've started an innovation division with, you know, because normally throughout the competitions, we do a lot of innovations. That's why we, we compete. Uh, so we needed to approach innovation a little bit differently, which was very, very exciting because people that normally don't like competing are also very innovative people. And, uh, and some of them, when we've sort of said, well, we're going to do innovations on all three levels, on a farm level, wholesale level, as well as a retail level. And we would do group meetings on Zoom or when we were more isolated and everyone contributes. And then out of 50 ideas, we extract 20 or 30, 5, 10, we adapt. And maybe some of the longer term projects we, we take on that we want to develop over six months or 12 months. I feel that in the last four months, we've done more innovations than what we've done in the last couple of years. Um, just be, like we, we have a, on a farm level, we're going to do something really exciting. I don't want to talk too much about it, but you'll, everyone will find out. We'll call it CM Champions Selection. It's going to be very exciting, very fun. Uh, we're also doing a great collaboration with a scientist. We are introducing some yeast that has not ever been reintroduced in a coffee. Uh, and um, so that's, you know, over the next six to 12 months, people will find out. I find it's after what we've done with the CM selection, it's probably next most revolutionary thing that we have done. Uh, so very happy with that. On the wholesale side, that team is doing, um, the way we've been doing these innovations, which I would recommend to other roasters is because many people are going to be drinking coffee at home now. And just by selling retail coffee at home, for me, it's okay, but it's not full experience like we normally would have possibly in the coffee shops. But then I'm thinking now, why don't we even make coffee at home to be more inspiring and better experience than what we do in the cafes? If we, if we provide, and, and Sam Cora has done that with his first initiative subscription, where he selected the top six coffees that he loved for the year. And for every coffee comes with a video of 10 minutes that talks about a coffee, we show a little bit about the farm, we have a you know, really cool music in our background, how to make it, and, uh, and suggestions, you know, what flavor can be achieved by doing a water recipe. So it's very approachable, it's very fun that um, I think anyone can get this coffee, get a video and, and really have an awesome experience. And um, so we're gonna do a lot more of that. My next release is going to be Matrix with Sasha where you know, I've selected top six espressos that I loved, and then I'll take people on a journey how to, you know, how I enjoy the best qualities out of this coffee and what to do and some little tips, how to you know, extract it in the best possible way and, and the farm information as well. And they're just two little initiatives that you know, took us to this really rabbit hole that we wanna do now so much more uh, and, and really connect with so many people from all over the world. Um, and, uh, and it's seen in our, in our numbers as well because that online side of business is gross, growing in percentages uh, quite yeah. a lot day by day uh, to the point now that we employ the new marketing manager and we really want to go uh, very, very serious on, on this uh, where we can, you know, 
have people at home to have higher experience than what they can have in the coffee shops. That's our goal. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's, uh, yeah, continue. Um, and the, yeah, and I guess in, uh, in retail as well, uh, we've actually used the opportunity, which I think a lot of listeners can connect to, uh, or coffee shops that, you know, when you, when you mentioned earlier, what you said was very nice. When you do something good uh, in this period of time, you can possibly accelerate or you, you can sort of speed up the process. I think in a, in a coffee shops, in my opinion, all over the world, we, they were not very sustainable. Uh, at least what I can say, talk about networks in Australia and few other countries that I'm very familiar with. We love, we love our coffee shops because that's what we love doing, but margins are very small, the rents are very high. Uh, the, you know, we, we spend ridiculous amount of money for these amazing coffees. We waste some of them quite often because you know, we want to serve just the best of the best coffees. And if it's aged too long, we don't serve it. Or we, we're too shy to, serve, to charge appropriate price for these coffees. Uh, and suddenly over the years, we were putting ourselves in that corner that we, it's, it's really hard to manage. And, and when COVID came, I, I just said to the entire team, I said, everything we do in retail, we just need to change every single thing. Um, we've increased the price in the worst time ever. Like who increases the pr coffee prices now when there's no one in the shops? Uh, so we've increased price to $5 a cup. You know, in Australia, average cup is about 320. That's what majority of the people would charge. Uh, and we felt if we want to provide great, great career and to, to baristas and make sure they can grow and industry can grow and we can pay the right amount of money for our farmers, we have to increase the prices. You know, somehow we adapted that we, now that everything is cashless, for example, uh, us uh, continue paying all of these bank fees, which we did not even include in our coffee prices. So we sort of said, well, we're going to charge extra for, you know, if someone pays with a card. Uh, and so we, we've adapted the systems, how we're doing back of the house. So every day we can actually see a real profit and loss. Uh, before we used to get a profit and loss from our accountants once a week, once a month, and it's too late. So by using that you know, high technology that now we can, because you know, we can do automated rostering systems, we can do integrate a till system with our accounting system, and end of the day, you can actually see, you know, where, where the numbers are and, uh, and what areas we're actually struggling. Uh, we've increased our food prices by 13%. And, uh, and even though numbers in our shops, we're still down like 30 or 35%. We feel that with so many of these changes, we actually have more sustainable business. When this is all over, we can come back to because we're not afraid to charge what we actually need to charge to have more sustainable. Um, so we've changed about 100 different policies in last four months. And we've done more changes in four months than what we've done in the last 10 years. Um, because we felt that that part of the business needed to change the most uh, in order to, you know, to be sustainable. So, so I'm, I'm very, kind of very proud of this, some of the gutsy moves that we've made uh, to the point where our customers are saying, I'm so happy that you've increased the price like this, the kind of didn't make sense that you were charging so little. Um, and, uh, and, the, and also all, all of the back house staff system that our managers now with a lot of clarity, 
they can actually see how the day was, you know, have they done everything right for the day or because, you know, in our industry, it's very unpredictable. One day you might make, you know, certain turnover following day, you might drop by 40%. And if you don't do adjustments to the roster, then we, you know, we make a loss on that particular day. Mm. So we, we kind of needed to find a way how do we have the best system to be able to adapt with this with these changes and to the point that um, when we had the restrictions where we can have only let's say up to 30 people in a coffee shop and following week we you know we can only have 20 people in a shop uh, managers are able to make a decision themselves to make sure that staff is happy people are not losing the shifts they're having the right amount of shifts to make the living but in the same time to make sure that this business is going to be sustainable with, you know, 20% lower turnover and everyone is going to be okay. Um, so, um, so that, that's in, in my opinion, probably the biggest, the biggest success that's been, that's been made and possibly the message that I would love to share with the listeners to, you know, start making these changes and, uh, yeah. It's very inspiring, right? And it's, it's fantastic to hear how you guys then taken this kind of devastated time and turned that into something positive, right? Because there is, um, it is a time for reflect, right? It is a time for for learning and understanding you know, who we are as companies and, and, and where we're moving. And I want to be mindful of, of your time, and I know we're already pushing it here, but I want to ask one last question. Uh, and that's more of a, a bigger perspective, and you can keep that as, as short or as long as you want to. But um, we've been discussing a lot about what are you doing now and what is happening now and the changes you made the last months. But um, what will happen in the future? Do you, do you think it's relevant to discuss that and think about that? Or are you just focusing on, on right here, right now? Or where do you see the, uh, you know, your companies being in 2021, in 2022? Um, do we have a, is there a post-COVID-19 time or is it living together with COVID-19 for, you know, decades to come? Yeah, it's, um, it's a good question. In the future, what I would love is I'd love to go on the farms, to be honest. <laughs> I miss traveling. I miss that connection with the farms a lot. And um, that's always in my mind, especially the last couple of weeks. Now that we felt like that we solved many problems or many issues, many maybe big history issues that we had for a while. Um, and it's a, it's a that timing, okay, what's next? Which I'm probably personally looking to take it easy for the next couple of weeks. I think um, what's next is um, health is most important. Uh, for all of us and uh, for all of us to be arrested, to actually do something that's at least for us, that's outside of the coffee for a little bit, you know, hobby, family, whatever, eat well, you know, train, exercise, look after yourself. I think a lot of us leaders, and I'm sure you have as well, where you, where you have no matter how big or small business we have, this situation has taken a lot out of us. Uh, and before we think of the future of the companies, I think we should be thinking of the future of us, you know, have we been living healthy lives? I don't think we have. <laughs> Let's start living healthy lives now. Let's, you know, smile more, enjoy it with our family, with our friends, rest. And then when we rest, then we can see what's next. And uh, that's kind of as far as where my mind is, uh, because um, I definitely feel I need a holiday. I need a break numbers figures structures it's all in my head you know team are they okay is everyone fine uh but yeah i, I think 
I think we need to sort of slow down. And then, um, and then with a clear head, clear mind, when we're rested, we, we can actually think deeper and wiser. There will definitely be changes. That's 100%. Uh, but I think if we're rested and if we think clear, we can make these positive changes. Like I always say when something bad happens, we need to get something good out of it and uh, some positives so we can work really hard to remember that this, you know, we have had biggest lessons um, in our lives in these periods. I definitely have, you know, I have learned a lot. This situation has changed me a lot and not necessarily changed me that I'm now a different person. I've just managed to dig a lot deeper in my values, in myself uh, to, you know, learn what's important for me and, and try to do the same with networks around myself as well. And once you understand with more clarity what's important for you, then what you do next, it's easy uh, because you can see it with so much more clarity. Um, there will be two, three, which is reflection of being positive for the last couple of weeks. Two, three very cool innovations that we're doing. Uh, we are going to start a new company as well. That's a, you know professional innovational tools by on a coffee team. Uh, we have a two really cool new project products that they they kind of don't exist in the in the industry at the moment. Uh, we feel they're gonna add value to a cup of coffee that we will taste more out of the coffee by by this funny cool little gadget, um, and um, and you know so so many other things as well. So uh, um, in in a way, it's been work-wise, it has been. It kind of it's sweet and bitter feeling, right? It's sweet because you feel inspired about what you do because you managed to. I felt that I managed to find myself even more, uh, but it feels bitter when you when you look at what's around, and uh, and it's something that I don't ignore and we cannot ignore. So, um, possibly what's next is to see how we can help and support um, people in the industry and uh, and our friends in in the best way, so they feel good about this at the end. That's a beautiful way to wrap it up. And then as you say, like it's, it's very, I think, especially when you run a company, it's easy to forget yourself in that process, right? It's easy to, again, as you mentioned as well, forget your family, forget your friends, forget other personal aspect into it, right? And as you mentioned, if, if we as individuals are not in a happy place, not in a good place moving forward, and this, this phase has taken a toll, right? It's taken a toll on us, it's taken a toll on our, on our team members. And it's, it's so important that we find ourselves in, in a place where we can continue to do this in, in many years to come, right? Um, with that, I want to say thank you for your time, Tessa. It's been amazing. And I'm, I'm really happy that uh, you are also able to be the first episode here. And we have some really interesting people coming up as well. Um, and I'm really excited personally to just continue these conversations about how we kind of start living with, with COVID-19 as a, as a concept. So thank you, Sasa. It's, uh, it's been great. And thank you for initiative. It's, it's a great thing what you're doing. And I'm looking forward to listening to other podcasts as well and other guests and learning from, uh, from other people too. So thanks very much. Thanks for everyone listening too. Much sure. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This project has been brought to you by April Media, which is an unfiltered view on the coffee industry powered by our Patreon supporters. Uh, we would love it if you share these episodes, subscribe to our channels, and if you want to be a part of building this, please join our Patreon. 
Thank you again.